the mysteries of Gravity Falls creep into the non-animated world, this is the Gravity Bros Podcast. I'm Alec Hester, and I'm joined today by who else? My brother, Lucas. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Just like a wishing well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, get my, you... I get my kicks off of pennies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> are, no, you, are you feeling... Well. Are you feeling... <laughs> well. Are you feeling waxy today? Is that a good way to, to start this off? I was Super like, what the... waxy, dude. It's a good feeling... icebreaker. I'm feeling episode. like living wax. I'm feeling like a living wax figure, very specifically, actually. Is what wow, how fitting that we just happen to be talking about. Well, what a great transition. <laughs> what a very natural transition uh, into episode three of Gravity Falls, Headhunters, the episode that we are going to be talking about today. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Which is not the title I would have expected because that gives you Headhunter vibes, but we got wax figure vibes. It's very Twilight zone episode. Actually, that's a really good thought. I hadn't uh, put it in those terms, but you're right. It does give some Twilight Zone vibes the way that it all takes place. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I, at first, I was like, I don't know if this is one of my favorite episodes, but there's yeah. a lot about it that really stands out to me as being like especially magical in relation to some of the other episodes of the series. I so, agree. I agree. I, I think there's a lot to talk about, um, especially... Because I also think that this is an episode that really pushes the idea that Gravity Falls is for adults as well as children. Because there's some jokes that are, your typical kid is just never, ever going to understand. There were definitely uh, a few jokes in this one where I was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, all right. We use that. Yeah, Let's go. Probably Let's go, Alex. some that you didn't even notice because I had to find them in my research. We'll see. We'll see. Um, so uh, let's just recap this episode. Um, I, I almost don't even want to give it a general plot, but let's say that, uh, Dipper stumbles upon a mystery and yes. he's trying to solve the mystery. And I think that that really is kind of the backbone of what we're going for here. The core uh, of the story arc. Yeah. Yeah. This all starts off when we are introduced to a television show that will recur throughout the show's history. And that is Duck Detective, uh, a show that, uh, Dipper and Mabel and maybe Grunkle Stan to a degree enjoy watching. I do want to say one thing on that. That one joke, I don't even remember. I forgot to write down specifically what the joke was. But he said, like, you quack me up or something like that. And the duck detective literally just goes, don't belittle me. It was, wow, you've really quacked the case. And he goes, don't patronize me. But in don't, duck noises, it's it. subtitled, yes. Yeah, of course. See, see, yeah, you read it better. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that was very funny. That was a joke that certainly added lots of flavor that certainly didn't need to exist. But mm, I love it. And interestingly, that is a moment from a little bit later in the episode. It's not even in the initial intro where we are introduced to Duck Detective. Is it important? Not really. It's no, just not at that all. <laughs> similar to how kids will get an idea in their head based on a television show that they watched this is essentially dipper being like oh this is the mystery show that i like and now it makes me want to be a detective and take this kind of thing very seriously so they watch the show mabel thinks that dipper's not going to be a good detective but he can tell based on her breath that she ate a tube of toothpaste which is pretty weird even by mabel's yeah. standards i would say mm-hmm. i just weird I feel of- like I, on on the bottle, it says to call poison control in the event of that happening. This is worse than the maple syrup example from last week, definitely. Yeah, man, she needs to stop guzzling weird... I'm gonna stop there. 
Yeah, that's a good idea. So, <laughs> Seuss enters the conversation, and basically he just tells him, Hey dudes, I found the secret door of the mystery shack. And he walks him in there, and there's a bunch of weird, creepy wax figurines. Mm-hmm. Is this, am, am I taking on from here? Well, I guess that there's not a whole lot to add, other than the fact that Grunkle Stan does not have this horrible secret. He just walks right in on it. He's like, oh, hey, you found my secret room. So it's not like a big deal. Well, we should clarify, though, that this is not the same secret door that was that he walked through that was alluded to in the end of the first episode. Yeah, that's a good this point. Is a, this um, is a different secret room that, that in, in the show, it was not, mis- like, it's not like M- Mabel and Dipper are uh, mistaking this for that, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the fun part about these wax figures is that they are all themed after different celebrities from history. Uh, maybe celebrities is not even the right word. I would say historical figures is so, a better way for the most there part. Are, there are definitely a few showcase moments that I, I gotta ricochet off right now. Because some of the wax figure moments in this are hilarious. Everything with the Larry King wax figure is hysterical. Oh my yes. god. And let's hold on some of those when we talk about the big stuff that happens in the end. But do you think that I should just, as a prerequisite to all of that, just name off every wax figure that was in this? Oh, I don't know about all of them, but like a few of the the name namely ones. We had a, we had an Abraham Lincoln one melt, and then uh, he's like, yes. "Open the window! I'm looking at you, wax John Wilkes Booth," and that was pretty funny. Uh, yes, it's so not, good. And, I, but, too soon, too soon. Gravity Falls. I can't believe they went with such an edgy joke. I, I'm offended. Uh, and then they had a Nixon joke. Not I, not even a joke. Just having Nixon in there with his peace signs up. And then at one point, well, I guess we'll get to that later. But we could easily rattle off all of the really good references. But just so that everybody knows, in case you didn't watch the episode and you just like us, which is pretty cool, we have <laughs> Sherlock Holmes, Groucho Marx. I, I will mm. talk a lot about that later. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Oh, I, I already know what joke you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Queen Elizabeth II, Robin Hood, Thomas Edison, William Shakespeare, Edgar Allan Poe, Genghis Khan, Coolio. Ah, see, Liz- see, okay, 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 okay. Let's just pause on that. You just let, read off a list of historical figures, right? Like, oh, Shakespeare. Abraham Lincoln, like, all these... Okay, and then Coolio. Like, one of these is not like the other. I continue, sorry. <laughs> such, a, such a good creative choice, yeah. It was. It was uh, hysterical. It was hysterical. Yeah. Larry King and Richard Nixon, as you mentioned. Fun fact yeah. that John Wilkes Booth does not get an actual uh, visual figure in the show, probably because that would be too controversial, but they make a fun reference, like you mentioned. Um, so many children do not know who these characters are. Oh, and I missed one, which is going to blow your mind. Lizzie Borden. Do you know who that is? Uh, I'm bad with names. I might, based on who they uh, are. If you are a child listening to this, this might be like a little bit over the top for this podcast. But <laughs> Lizzie Borden, Lizzie Borden is famous for being a murderer who killed her parents with an axe. Oh yeah, I know who that is. It's in a bunch of ghost stories on TV. Yeah, so yeah. the fact that she was a wax figure is extremely dark. They never mention her. Like, not all of these wax more, figures get named. More like an axe figure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Come on, everybody's laughing with me right now, right? <laughs> that was great. All right, uh, you can have that one. That was good. That was good. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway, it's not like there's anything that we have to be concerned with, with these wax figures, right? They're just wax. They're in the room. And uh, no worries. No problem. We're going to move on with the uh, the plot anyway. They don't come to life later. No, no. So the kids want to bring back the wax museums because they think they're cool. And Grunkle Stan retired the wax museum thing before because um, it stopped making as much money, which is honestly a naturally intelligent thing to do. So then Mabel, in the, with the intent of bringing back the sculptures, they make a Grunkle Stan wax figure. And then he gets all jazzed about it because obviously he's a little bit egotistical. And he was definitely kind of more of a rude character and a crude character in this that was less mm-hmm. likable in an intentful way. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we'll get to that. So yeah, they make the wax figures and Grunkle Stan gets all stoked. So then he opens the museum again, but then there's a murder. And then this becomes a mystery episode because somebody wax the head off of the wax figure of Grunkle Stan. Yeah, and it's actually a really fun way that they do it because he's just hanging with his wax figure and he's so proud of Mabel for having designed such a beautiful piece of art, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, Leaves the room and suddenly he comes back and the thing's head is knocked off. And something that is a little bit important leading into this is that he does have this entire event where he tries to get people to be interested in the museum. And it turns out the only reason that anybody showed up was because they were expecting free pizza. Yep. We Naturally. do meet, yeah, we do meet a recurring character, which is Toby, the writer of the Gravity Falls Gossiper. He is going to be somebody who shows up again in the future and has some importance in this episode mm-hmm. because immediately where Dipper's head goes is that he thinks that one of the people that showed up at this event and were not able to get their pizza must be the murderer that killed the wax figure, if you Mm -hmm. want to call it that. If it's even murder, which it's not. Sure. So (laughs) I I guess the assumption here is that the alibi is that they were, you know, angry about the event to some capacity and decided to take it out on... Uh, the wax yeah. figure, as it were. There's a um, whole detective sequence where they, Dipper creates all the reasons for why he did it. <laughs> yeah, it actually, it does remind me a little bit of at least myself, if not our cousin Zach too, because him and I would both actually do this where we would get really invested in something like this and yeah. start making like huge assumptions that were geniuses that we would be able to solve the mystery together. Yeah, I remember. I remember that. Uh, and uh, I just, I saw myself very much... It in Dipper in this moment, even though yeah. not all of his ideas made a lot of sense and he was jumping to a lot of conclusions. Something that I think is hilarious is that they do call the Gravity Falls cops over just to investigate the murder of this wax figure. I thought that was funny too. And the cops are just like, well, there's no way we could solve this case. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, the, one of the funniest lines is uh, when they're like, there's two things I love about this line actually in the episode. Um, cause Dipper offers to help cause he's obviously been shown to be pretty good at solving mysteries and the cops are like, Oh, so the city boy's going to come in here and start telling us how to do things. And the other cop literally just goes, city boy, city boy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that was so funny, dude. Every, every time the cops were on screen in this episode, I was dying. 
I love yeah, them I, every listen, single second they're on screen. They are <laughs> terrible at their jobs and so mean to Dipper and Mabel the entire series, but they are really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. So old, I, no, old, I, well, no, I can't say that. Never mind. Just kidding. You should. I appreciated that too. Um, and... Dipper decides that he's got to take matters into his own hands because obviously the cops aren't going to help and he goes on the hunt. And this is where it really takes off and gets fun for me. He sees an axe and he's like, well, there was an axe used, so... Talk about the axe figure. (laughs) You're really just going to hit it again? (laughs) All right, let's go. All right. All right, let's do it. So he suspects an axe figure. Yeah. So he suspects Manly Dan, who we met in the last episode, uh, who's just this huge, muscular, manly dude who does things with his bare hands, like hold axes, and he has an axe. So Dipper is like, well, an axe was the murder weapon. There was a guy at this event who had an axe. A plus B equals C. Yeah, clearly this is the culprit. No further investigation. Well, actually, I won't give him... No, no. He does still investigate. He still does say, this is my hypothesis, and I'm going to go find out more. Dipper and Mabel go to a club, and they bring some fake IDs, which work perfectly well for the attendant, who clearly does not give a shit that two kids are walking through. Oh my god, I said the swear word. Hey! Can we put this one in the history books, everybody? Alec just cursed before I did in a recording. I don't think I Lucas has not yet cursed in this entire show. Holy just did i am so sorry i really am i'm trying not to do that for the show (laughs) (laughs) oh that's delightful everybody but that's kind of the vibe though right like he clearly knows that they're kids and just doesn't care so he's gonna let him in anyway the funniest thing about that though is the and like they like make these ridiculous fake ids that are seriously clearly false and then the next scene they cut to the bouncer being like no minors allowed in here and it's literally oh. a guy with a pickaxe. It's not Dipper and Mabel. And come on, it's a silly redirection comedy joke, but it made me chuckle. Like, it wasn't huge, but I gasped. It was well, good. I, I love jokes <laughs> like that because they kind of give a laugh every time, right? It, it's yeah. not that smart, but <laughs> there's a lot you know, of worse humor out there. My favorite comedy that comes from a lot of my favorite shows, and Gravity Falls in particular is actually in just, like, not even in jokes, but just the subtle way that characters read lines in a comedic tone. And the character for me that does this the best is Mabel. Like, there are little things that she says throughout the whole episode that are just hilarious. Like, we have an axe! And the way that she says it is super funny. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, this cute little girl wielding an axe and, and the way that she expresses it is super funny the way that she like becomes friends with the guy at the bar remember that scene they get into the bar obviously um the bouncer doesn't care and they get to the bar and this isn't like super plot related because dipper goes to do a plot related thing but mabel sits down with this like super tough looking guy at the bar and he like growls at her and in the next cut after when we see her again he's doing that like finger fortune telling thing and they're like having fun and and so adorable and mabel's so cute and they say something about uh the person that he's going to marry she's like you're gonna marry this person and then they like take her and run away and he's like but wait will she love me yeah he cares so much so funny dude and i think what she told him is that yo your wife's gonna be beautiful and it's just a funny little moment where he's like i don't care about that what i really want is true love 
Exactly. I, just, I wanted to, to mention that because we haven't talked about Mabel and she shines a lot in this episode. Sure. No, I love that. Um, on the plot related side. Dipper is going over to Manly Dan to try to interrogate him about some questions. He asks where he was at 10 o'clock yesterday. He says that he punched a clock at this very location. And Dipper is clearly able to look over and see that there is a clock that was punched. It says 10 o'clock. And that is really funny because it's like the only like confirmable thing that could have possibly happened. You know what I mean? Like everything else would have required a follow-up confirmation except for that exact thing. However, I will say if I'm putting my detective hat on, it yeah. could have been any 10 o'clock. This is, clock was not on military time. Could have been 10 a.m., 10 p.m. It could have been 10 a.m. the next just, day. He if could it have just then. said that because the pl- clock was broken at 10. <laughs> He's like, hey, look, a clock that was broken. Then if I say I did this, it'll look like I did it. That guy's yeah, making well, big brain plays here. <laughs> that's true. But at that point, he was not notified by Dipper the reason that he was being questioned. Then again, you know, he might have some idea if he had been the culprit, which we're going to assume that he's not because it turns out that the axe is a left-handed axe and Manly Dan is right-handed, which I think is a very classic mystery trope. I read a lot of mystery books and that's the kind of thing that can come up a lot. Though I didn't know there were left-handed axes. Yeah, that's a new one. I wonder if that's (laughs) actually true or if they just came up with that for the story. I, I also wonder if that's actually true. Good God! <laughs> and every time you just go into this maniacal laughter, like you're so pleased with yourself. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! We are on one today. Let's go. Okay. Hello. Hello. Thank you for returning. I've managed to find the first grouping of letters. In this order, they are M-A-X. I believe there may be more, but I'm struggling to find them. Not much to report today, but stay tuned. I'm counting on you. So Dipper starts only looking for left-handed suspects, which this is very funny to me. He goes down the list from other people who were at the event, and all of them are right-handed. So he just assumes that the last one on the list must be the culprit, whether he checks whether he's left-handed or not. He is uh, left-handed, though. Oh, they do confirm that? I, yep, he's holding the... Le- that, that is the reason for the turkey baster criticism at the beginning of the episode, because his, the turkey baster microphone is in his left hand. Oh, that's... Okay, good catch. I love it. Yeah, right? Uh, that's that's and, called intentional writing. Let's go. And the person that we happen to be mentioning is someone that I name-dropped earlier in the episode, and that is Toby the Reporter. Mm-hmm. Uh... So basically, Dipper is able to somehow convince the cops that this is serious and that they have the <laughs> possible culprit. So the cops are like, okay, sure, we'll break into the house with you. Like, this is obviously enough evidence. Just not. Well, I mean, the uh, cops probably are just excited to raid a house. And we see them just go raid, 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 or whatever they say. That's true. That's true. So uh, they're just there for a good time. Yeah. So... Turns out that Toby has an alibi as well. He doesn't seem that bothered that anybody broke into his house. He's just very quick to uh, explain himself. And he yeah. pulls up a video of him at that time where he was making out with a cardboard cutout of the woman reporter that was shown earlier in the episode to be asking serious questions as opposed to his nonsensical reporting. And I would like to point out that that is a very, very, very weird and creepy thing to do when you think about it. And I was... 
like, oh, this is actually kind of weird to see in a kid's show. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know, it, it's strange. And then the way that he plays it off, he's like, wow, the, you kids should be so embarrassed. It's like, yo. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's that's questionable. Like, if you knew someone was doing that about you, like, how would you feel about that? Uh, I Yeah, not great. It's not it's not, not a great good feeling, man. I don't like that. I don't like this uh, Toby guy, man. He, he doesn't give me a good vibe. <laughs> no, uh, never does. I can't think of a single thing about Toby that I like throughout his stint in Gravity Falls. Maybe that's something to track as we go. I mean, uh, I like his voice actor, but... <laughs> that's true. His voice actor <laughs> does, does a great job of, yeah. of selling the character. Uh, and exactly, that is yeah. something that uh, should be acknowledged. Yeah. Um, but the problem here is, of course, that Toby is not the culprit, so... Who was? Well, well, the wax figures were alive the whole time, and they were mad at Grunkle Stan for putting them away. So they tried to actually kill Grunkle Stan, but they messed up and killed the wax figure instead, which is also super morbid, and I love it. Um, I love and that really so clever. much. Yeah, and and really clever. Yeah, and. The- <laughs> The way that the way that Grunkle Stan had the whole funeral for for the wax figure was funny too, but yeah, eventually we just a side note that was also hilarious because all of the wax figures were also there and anyway, um, so yeah, we we get a whole uh, third act fight scene climax between the wax figures and the kids, which is pretty awesome. One of my favorite lines going into that is, "Do you from Sherlock Holmes? Do you really think you could take us on?" And this is one of those little comedic moments I was telling you about. Maybe Mabel and Dipper are like, "I mean, I don't know, right? Maybe, yeah, if you're sure." And you know, they just <laughs> say it like that. Like, I don't know. I we got a chance, right? Like that little bit of just dialogue. It's not a joke, really. It's just like, it's so funny. It just makes I love those little comedic moments. And then there's a lot of comedic moments with the wax figures. And I know you want to talk about Groucho Marx, so I'm just leading you into it right now. I appreciate it. The fact that Groucho Marx is in an episode (laughs) of Gravity Falls is the wildest thing that I can possibly imagine. For those who don't know who it is, he is a famous actor from the Marx Brothers, known for a very distinct voice and an incredible mustache. And in my opinion, one of the funniest actors who's ever lived on the planet. Yeah, and this is like early 19, you know, 40s, I probably 30s even, um, black and white slapstick comedy. So like, picture the Three Stooges, but like the Marx Brothers, kind of same idea. Yeah, I mean, he's got a great moment during the fight scene where Dipper cuts him in half. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is such a weird thing to talk about. Um, and he's like, I've heard of a cutting remark, but this is ridiculous. But then, sorry, Alec was hyped and I'm stealing it. But then he's got his fingers like as if he's supposed to be holding a cigar because they obviously smoke cigars and cigarettes a bunch of that time. And he says, what What am I supposed to be holding right now? Because there's nothing there. And it's a cheeky little censorship joke that they put because they weren't allowed to keep the cigar. And I love it. It's so cheeky. And it's they gave it to a perfect character. <laughs> It, it is so good. Um, they're so thoughtful about the writing here. And again, knowing that chances are there is only a small subsection of people that are really going to appreciate this and they went for it anyway is the most fun part to me. Like, because a kid isn't going to watch this and be frustrated that they don't know who that is necessarily. They're just gonna, they're going to enjoy the action sequence and the fact that these wax figures came to life, the mystery behind it. 
Yeah. But somebody who's really watching, they're going to be like, wow, that was really, really great. Yeah. So the kids, is there more than the kids defeat? The wax figures, obviously. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think that I have to mention that for Genghis Khan, Dipper oh, jokes yeah. that he fell harder than the Jin Dynasty, which is another, like, really that's good. A, that's a zinger history joke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just love when they do stuff like that. Um, and I'd say that the most impo- important part of them defeating it is that Dipper breaks off and fights Sherlock Holmes on the roof. And he has a great idea to where once the sun comes up, the sunlight will melt the wax, which is and yes. which is what happens. And then Mabel is able to defeat all of the other wax figures completely on her own by melting them with the candle that they've been chasing around, presumably. Yes. And the thing I also would like to note that I love about the scene where Dipper fights Sherlock is we get that rooftop horizon line where we see the S fall off of Mystery Shack, which is a permanent change to the scene. Oh, wow. Um, Great call. Yeah. And and I just want to remind people, because I'm not doing spoilers, but there are a lot of Easter eggs and foreshadow throughout everything. And I'm not going to point them out because it's more fun for you to find them. Maybe we'll like reference old episodes in the future, but for this one, I, I won't mention the things that I'm thinking about. Um, yeah. I might be able to give you a hint because of some insights from Journal 3 that we're going to get to in the not-so-distant future. All right. Um, so, uh, Lucas, before we get into the the characters that we thought were the best this episode, do you just want to give me an overarching feeling on how you felt about this <clears throat> one as a whole? Um, You know, not like, in terms of the overall continuity of the show, there's not much given, and that's usually the thing that I love the most about most things. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, this is, it's not like filler because there's so much character and comedy, you know, I don't think there's any part of Gravity Falls that's truly filler. I might revisit that idea at future episodes. We'll see, but I don't think so. Um, but I mean, it's funny. I, I was definitely, I'm always entertained from beginning to end. As far as in, in the reference of Gravity Falls, not one of my favorite Gravity Falls episodes, but still great, you know, still really funny and charming. Yeah. Uh, I think that what stands out for me is just... <clears throat> The wax figures, you know, I think revisiting it, being able to look again and see, wow, look what they did here. That's what's fun for me. I think it holds up really well as a cog in the larger machinery of Gravity Falls, even though it's not groundbreaking and it doesn't give you a bunch of brand new plot. um, It's a really cool piece of pop culture to show people like if you're going to show them a random episode i actually think this one might not be the worst because it's not going to give away any major plot details it's going to kind of show you what the show is and it's going to prove that it's intelligent enough to make these adult references it's solid it's a solid episode and it gives you a sense of lore for the world which is cool i agree yeah and i think the overall idea just the concept in general is brilliant and one of my favorite concepts of any episodes now i do want to say are you thinking about choosing the wax figures as one of your characters for the episode yes so okay lord okay i had to transition that way because yes we need to discuss if that's fair then the rules <laughs> so here, here was my thinking it was less okay. about the wax figures and more about does it make sense to give out character points for a character that may never show up again in the show's history oh i think that's fair i mean if a character deserves the points they deserve the points it doesn't matter if they're going to show up again i don't i don't think okay. that, that should make a difference i think for me the question which is relating to something of mine is can we give it to more than one character 
can we give it to, can we group characters and give them points together as a unit? Okay. So that was going to be the next thought. I think that in the spirit of the game, you should pick one wax figure if you're going to pick any. Okay. Okay. Or if you want to give both of your points to wax characters, that's also okay. an option. Which but we I think won't that do, they need but... to... Yeah, I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> um, so, okay. By point. that okay. logic, let me start. And I'm just going to yes. actually... We might do this differently every episode. I'm going to start by giving my two points. My character of the episode No, you is should different. do the... Okay, fine. Well, we're doing that. Well, so I'll, I can redo it. Well, we so, should yeah. do we should do this we should do the we should do the second first because it hypes up. You never want you always want to you want to end on the delivery. So I agree with this normally, but this time we're hyping up which wax figure <laughs> we're picking for the extra points. At least for I'm not myself. choosing a wax figure. Oh, okay. Well, listen, I am picking a wax figure. I am giving my runner-up to Groucho Marx. I have to. I'm just so excited that he was That's in so this. Silly. He had he had the best lines of any of the wax figures. Um and, I mean, there was a lot of fun stuff going on there. It's hard to pick just one. But just for my own love of old movies and stuff, I, I have to. I'm never going to give another point to say, I give a point to Groucho Marx. When is that? When are those words ever going to leave no. my mouth again? No, you know, if you had told me that before I'd already finalized my logic, that might have convinced me to do it too, not going to lie. Nice. <laughs> but it didn't. Okay, well. But it didn't. Oh. So my number two, and this is why this discussion was important, was because I was going to give it to the cops as a unit. Whoa! Okay, so <clears throat> you were asking for a completely different reason. Yeah. Because whenever the, the reason I like them is because of their together chemistry, you know? Like, I don't want to necessarily group them as the same character, but, like, isolating them, it's not the same because it's their dynamic that I love so much, and I want to give them points. Well, and hold I, up, hold up. I might be changing my ruling a little bit. I know that we established it differently, but I think there is a difference between picking the cops as a character and the wax figures as a character, where there's like 12 of them. Yeah. The cops are recurring characters that are there a lot. We're probably going to want to give them points again. Well, and they're I can't always th together through the series, too. Yeah. I well, I But what happens if there's ever a moment where we only want to give it to one of them and not both? We can't. This is our defining moment where we accept that if we give either of them one, they both get it. Okay, I can agree with that. If that's All true, right, okay. we right. did it. The cops are officially a unit, which I love because that also means that we are unofficially shipping them, which I do, officially. A hundred percent. And without getting too much into spoilers, uh, there's going to be more about that too. Exactly. Cool. So yeah, then I give my points to the cops because every moment they are on screen, I love. I love how they play a role. I love how um, their role actually serves a functional purpose of giving a sense of believability of Dipper's role in the story because we're shown how the cops function in the society and it's important that they do function this way because otherwise they'd be really involved in the plot in a bunch of problematic ways. So it's actually really helpful to get this character for the plot, but they're also such great characters and they're so funny and like, they're really cute and charming together. And, you know, even though they're problematic and annoying at times because they're authority figures, um, we still get this really lovable side to them. And I think that that's really awesome and gives us in the show a really nice feeling in a nice sense. Well said. Well, I, I think that's a nice transition into the next part and i am assuming i gave my two points to the same character as you but we'll see we'll uh, see 
my character of the episode was Dipper. And <laughs> I think largely it was because I see myself in him so much. We haven't given Dipper any points yet somehow, but this brings out my favorite part of him, which is that he takes stuff, he takes mystery so seriously. And mm-hmm. he loves to do this stuff. Um, you know, I don't know. I think that I just have a soft spot in my heart for a kid who's extremely excited to solve a mystery the way that he was in this episode. So I am hypothesizing that I'm going to give Dipper more points in the future because I like him more in the future. Because um, to me, he's he. I think his voice acting gets a little more comfortable later. And I think as a character, I start to appreciate his role in the story. Not, that's not true. I love his role in the story. I don't mean to, to say that that's not true. Um, but I think that I like him just more in general because um, he starts kind of getting more of an idea of what's going on and having more of a hands-on approach to the story. So I gave my number one to Mabel again. Really? That's yeah, Mabel, Mabel gets my two points because every little thing she says, every little... Mo- if I'm not going to lie. If it wasn't for that scene in the bar where she she like does the fortune telling for the for the biker guy that i just love that so much dude mabel is such a charming character to me and you know when somebody shines so much when they're on screen all the time it's just so awesome how they give so much to the show you know because what the difference between a bland and a great show is often if not it, so much of it has to do with good characters and so much of what a good character is, is done in little ways. And Mabel, every little line is funny. You know, there's never a wasted read with her. And, yeah. you know, tribute to her voice actor for that as well. Um, our voice actress. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, so, Mabel. I love it. Okay. Uh, I guess for me, in this episode, she only gave me comedy. I didn't really get much driving plot, so it didn't really occur to me to pick her, which... I yeah. guess it's not really fair for me to say because I think I picked Seuss last time and he didn't have... Well, well actually, Seuss did have some driving plot. But for me, yeah, there was can... no plot in this episode, really. So to me, it's like, hmm. oh, well, the plot didn't need to be driven much for the episode, so I might as well choose a character who also, you know, didn't really need to drive the plot much. I like it. Well, I'm going to transition, Lucas. Normally, at the very end of these recordings, I will tell you what the hidden cipher was at the end of the Gravity Falls episode. Mm-hmm. This week, I'm going to read the cipher now, and there's a very specific reason for it. Uh, if you want to decode the cipher on your own first, pause, do the cipher, and then come back to us. All right, I'm saying it. Once decoded, this cipher reads, he's still in the vents. Oh, yeah. Something that, yeah, so something that we didn't talk about at the end of this episode uh, is that Larry King's head is the lone survivor of the Wax Massacre. Yep. Uh, and he's hopping around with a rat in the vents. I, in my memory, don't believe that we see him again in the show. I might be yeah, wrong about that. We do. Definitely. 100% we do. Okay. So, but I, it might be more as of a recurring gag rather than the plot gets resolved. Oh, yeah. No. He, I don't think that, like... We see the Larry King head get returned to its body. I don't think it has resolution. I think it's just like, like Larry King's head just lives in the house now. That's just a part of the environment. Sure. So something that is especially interesting about them ending with this gag and the fact that there's not really any resolution later, even if the character ends up recurring, is that inside 
Journal 3. I'm opening it right now. So there is a ton in Journal 3 about the aftermath of this episode. Huh. Uh, way more way more than you would expect. In general, uh, Dipper points out the fact that he saw a ghost during the presentation of uh, Grungle Stan's wax museum reopening. Oh. So that that's something to keep in mind. And... Seems like if you're watching very closely, this might be the kind of thing that you could find as well. I'm not going to uh, spoil exactly what this means yet because there's going to be a discussion that Lucas and I have in a further episode that's going to put some more context uh, into that. All right. uh, Dipper mentions that Toby Determined. Oh, I just realized that his name is Toby Determined. You just realized that right now? I just thought it was Toby. I didn't think about the last name. Um... Anyway, he thinks he might be a goblin, so that's interesting. We get a little bit more about the wax figures, which doesn't really add a whole lot of extra context. But most importantly, I'm just going to read this straight up if that's okay with you. I think that it'll hold up. It's 2 a.m. and I'm giving up. There's no way to trap the thing. I don't understand how it can move so fast without any legs. Okay, I'm tired and being unclear. Let me start again at the start. This is Dipper Pines, officially starting over. It started right around lunch. Mabel and I had finished disposing of the wax figures. There was a lot of melting involved. On the bright side, Mabel has some lumpy new crayons to draw with. We were watching TV and eating some of her world-famous peanut butter and whatever else is in the fridge sandwiches when I heard something in the walls. A familiar voice came through the vent, mumbling about an exclusive interview with a possum that was coming up next. That's when I knew that something wax had survived. I tried to convince Mabel to join me in finding it, but she was too busy trying out her new crayon set. She invented a new color called Blorang Purple. While watching Dream Boy High 2, Kraz and Zyler's bot excellent radventure. So I knew she was lost. I knew that I was on my own. I needed to go into the air conditioning vents, but I wasn't going in unprepared. I said goodbye to Mabel and jumped into the living room vent. The glow from the television quickly faded as I shimmied down the duct. I turned on my flashlight and was stunned to see a maze of corridors. I could hear the creature's voice coming from above and to the left. They took me out of Brooklyn, but they couldn't take Brooklyn out of me. Oh, should I try to uh, do the Larry King impersonation? They took me out of Brooklyn, but they couldn't take Brooklyn out of me. Oh my god. (laughs) I followed it, dropping bits of bread from my sandwich so I wouldn't get lost. The duck got really narrow, but I was able to make it through. Just as I reached the top, I dropped the flashlight down the hole. I was left in complete darkness. I heard the creature again. It was much closer. Do blue-eyed people see better? What was that supposed to mean? Was he taunting me? Could he somehow see in the dark? I crawled blindly towards the voice, dropping more breadcrumbs as I went. As I came around the corner, I could see the shape of the disembodied wax head of the Suspenders Man. I was unprepared for what came next. Yeah, the Suspenders Man, because remember, Dipper does not know Larry King's name. Oh my god, that's right. Of course not, because we can't say Larry King. Maybe. I mean, they said a lot of other ones. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess that's true. I mean, legally you can, because parody, right? Yeah, I think I guess you're right. You should be able Probably. to. I was unprepared for what came next, as I swiped at it with my net. The head somehow jumped out of the way. I fell forward and landed hard on my elbow. The head mocked me. There's nothing funny about the funny bone. I swiped at it again, but it came rolling at me like a bowling ball and knocked the net out of my hands. It rolled into the far corner, turned, and came at me again. I got tangled up in my rope and covered in peanut butter from my sandwich and ended up stuck in the bottom of a narrow duct. From above me, I heard, Have a great night, everybody. Good night. 
And then the Victoria's head hopped away. It took me several hours to untangle myself and crawl back out into the living room. I'm going to sleep right here in Grunkle Stan's chair. Next day. It's 10 a.m. and I've been awoken by the joyful conversation between oh Mabel God. and the disembodied head. How long head. is this? Apparently, the way to tame the thing is to let it interview you. Oh I'm going to shower and wash off all this peanut butter. I could use an off day from all these paranormal creeps. That is the end. Aren't you glad that you let me read that entire thing? No. <laughs> no, I'm not. I think it's really cool that Journal 3 has an entire afterplot to this episode. That is what is <laughs> really neat to me. And it happens to be about Larry King's disembodied There's head. no resolution still. It's just he lives in the... It's what I said before you started reading the story. Uh, I think that there's some resolution there. Well, he ends up being he just lives in the... Once again. Yeah, but now we know that he's going to be friends with Mabel. Isn't that nice? Oh, my lord. I think we get that confirmation in the show. Never mind. You know what? We'll, we'll, we'll revisit this, everybody. What's your cryptid of the day? Um, so because I couldn't think of a single cryptid that had anything to do with wax figures, no matter how hard I tried, at least things that were not provable hoaxes, uh, I decided that we were going to go with a famous one that a lot of people know uh, that I can't imagine coming up again in relation to any other monster on the show, if that works for you. Yeah. That's the Jersey, that's the Jersey devil. How uh, is that related to this at all? It literally in no possible way is it related. Oh, and okay. perfect. And that, that's my point is that yeah. I can't imagine anything being related. So I'm going with the one monster that I can't ever imagine being related to anything at all. Yeah. Uh, Cause nobody's ever going to talk about New Jersey for any reason. <laughs> not in Oregon. <laughs> No, yeah, not in, not, not in a Gravity Falls podcast. Yes. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read the Cryptid Wiki entry, and you tell me if you think that the Jersey Devil is likely to be real or not. Okay. The, Jer the Jersey Devil is a creature native to the Pine Barrens of New Jersey. It is often described as having hooves, a snake's tail, bat wings, and a head that looks something like a horse. While there are many <laughs> stories detailing the origin of the Jersey Devil, sightings have been reported since the beginning of the 1700s and continuing on into the past decade. This creature is deeply rooted in folklore and legend in the area, and is still mildly popular in various media from sports teams to video games. Is, is that my is that my rating cue? Is this is this little is this Lucas is a dick moment of the, of the episode? And that is up to you. However, you decide to handle yourself in these moments is oh uh, going to be reflected by whatever I decide to leave in the edit. Why is the skeptic the guy who has to do this? Okay, sorry everybody. This is do you, this is. Do you want me to just give the ten so that we no. can get? <laughs> you, do you want to just give the ten? No, you're not giving it. I'm no, I'm doing this. I'm t I'm changing the narrative. I'm owning this. This is mine now. Um, it's yours. So, uh, you said it started in the 1700s. Yeah. By that definition, I will say back then in the 1700s, I will give it a seven, and I'll oh, say that because. Wow. There, back then, there's a better chance for some, like, weird stuff, maybe some weird ocean creature, because, you know, New Jersey's on the ocean, so I think... Now, when, when we go to the modern day, and you fill in the, the, bat, the bat wings, and the horse face, and the... That's ah, probably a one now. Hmm. I don't... In New Jersey, like, I'm pretty well, sure okay. somebody would notice. No, actually, I, I, I like this. You're saying that because it was the 1700s, there was no camera to be able to take a picture of the thing. Yeah, it's possible it that something yeah, was real. It wasn't super overdeveloped, so there's, like, tons of nature where it could still be. Sure, and it could be dead now. Yeah, and it could be dead now. But now um, there's, like, nah, nah, no way. 
Dang, okay, I actually appreciate you taking this seriously. We all know that there's tons of real cryptids roaming our planet, and I <laughs> and have been for many years. Lucas is shaking his head. That's where Alex's laughter is coming from. He's doing a slow <laughs> disapproval nod, or shake, I suppose. Um, I love the Jersey Devil, let me just say. I think it's a really fun cryptid. There's a wild story, like, which is... Obviously, this would be the most mythos that you can go, but that it was born from a woman who was having her, like, 13th child or something like that, and then shouted, I hope it's the devil when it came out, and it turned into the Jersey Devil, which is just so (laughs) hilarious to me. Um, To be honest with you, the Jersey Devil, as people understand it to be, I can't even fathom how a creature like that could have ever existed. I mean, I liked your point about 1700s, you never know. You know, I mean, if you go to the history channel, some aliens could have been doing genetic experimentation. You know, we can find a justification for anything. Okay, you talked me into a five only because I am so much more bullish on the cryptid thing than you. And uh, I was going to give it a one. I was like, this is ridiculous. How in the Even world I did I talk you into a five? I was trying to talk you backwards. Well, I think when you start thinking about beasts that have been sighted for a very long time, it's interesting to know that like a photo wouldn't have been able to be taken. And there's a lot that we don't know about that time period. By that well, logic, though, I think you maybe need to give a little bit more credence to Nessie. I mean, I'm assuming I'm I'm assuming things like parallel universe stuff isn't on the table, though. Right, which I think is probably safe, because I don't know if we... (laughs) Well, let me just ask you. I'm going to explore this. If we opened it up to that, do you feel like there would be difference and nuance between every single entry? Or do you think that it would all fall... It would all fall under the category of, oh, this is a possibility. I mean, this everything is- everything would immediately get points under the logic that it could have been a creature that fell in from another dimension temporarily. Or that, that you personally saw into another dimension in order to experience that creature. We are so far on different pages when it comes to the study of cryptids. But I love it so much that I'm going to think this over and see if maybe next week we start delving into that territory more. Well, in Uh, Native American philosophy, that's what aliens and the mystical spirits were. They were just... I mean, I'm not pulling stuff out of my ass right now. I actually have a philosophy degree and, like, studied Native American philosophy. And one of the things that they talked about was how extraterrestrial and spirit life forms were creatures that existed on other dimensions that were right in front of ours and parallel to ours, but that we couldn't see. Um, and I mean, I've seen a bunch of crazy stuff personally, so I, I can't rule out that somebody was having like a religious experience and saw a Jersey devil. And I can't say that that experience wasn't real, even if that doesn't translate to it being biologically real in this material existence. Wow. Okay. Sorry. Um, that's, that's just... I hope that you don't overexplain. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, you kind of got at what I was wondering a little bit about, like the direction that you are interested in going with this. Um, I mean, listen, Lucas, we're going to have, we've had many talks about all kinds of different things. This of course sounds wild to me, but I think that that's one of the fun things about our dynamic. That's uh, not what reality is to people though. When people are asking if a cryptid's real, they mean, can I touch it with my hand? So that's the question that I'm answering. Yeah, and I guess and the answer the is always going to be no. You can't touch it with your hand. Sorry, Buster. It's just so funny to me that <laughs> you're a skeptic about anything like that, 
But the parallel dimension theory is very, very much on the table and makes it more likely than otherwise. Well, sure, dude, because you're asking if a whale is going to exist on land versus in the ocean. Where do you think it's going to be? That's actually a really interesting way of phrasing that. Um, (laughs) Wow. There is nothing that we can't talk about here. Um, (laughs) It is wild to me. It is, but you know what? Like, I never thought we'd end up in this. I love these conversations. I, this is the philosophy I wish we could do on our well, YouTube channel more. This is the kind of thing that I definitely want to talk about more, but I feel like if I really start to poke and prod, we could be here for hours. If anybody wants this, well, maybe like let us know somehow. For now, Alec yeah, and I need I, to finish I, this off screen. <laughs> okay, just so that the audience knows that this is the kind of thing that is on the table when you listen to the Gravity Bros podcast, that's what matters right now. We are not against talking about anything and talking about it at length, regardless of how wild it sounds. Yep. Cryptozoology takes us to crazy places. Okay. This podcast is brought to you by the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network, which has many other rewatches of shows and movies on the Brazilian Dragon feed and the Dragon Babies feed, where you can also find this podcast. You can find more of Lucas and I by watching Hester Bros Cartoon Theater on YouTube. You can follow us on social media by clicking on the links in the description. And also in the description is the link to the Hester Brothers Cartoon Theater Discord, where you can chat and share notes uh, with other people about these Gravity Bros podcasts, anything else about animation, and any kind of mystery that could be intruding in our podcast, if such a thing were to ever exist. Ooh, interesting. Um, Also, five-star reviews. If you have made it this far into the podcast, you're probably our people. It would mean a lot if you do that, because it will help other people find our show. They really do. I do want to make sure, as always, that I thank our artist, Tessa Scarborough, for the amazing cover art for this podcast, and the voice of the mysterious woman, Anna LaFleur. We will see you all next week, and happy sleuthing. Bye.